Welcome to Stories Jesus Told, a podcast of Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Wisconsin. Here is Trinity's Rick Adams and Pastor Carl Landbauer. Hello, everybody. Rick Adams here, Director of Discipleship at Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt. Once again with our senior pastor, Pastor Carl Landbauer. Good to be with you again. And our guest, Angela Axman. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming back. Today it is Tuesday, uh, June 27th. Month of June is just rolling past. Fast, isn't it? And uh, we find ourselves in the Gospel of John. John chapter 4 with uh, an encounter that Jesus has with a Samaritan woman at the well. So, Pastor, why don't you start us off? Yeah, we'll just start by reading these words. Jesus left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Some interesting dialogue between Jesus and this woman. One of the things I noticed immediately was in, in um, where it says he, he had to pass through Samaria. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't clearly have to, but I think John was trying to send something between the lines there to us about, I, th- I talked last week about with Jesus and Zacchaeus, how there's sometimes Jesus has divine appointments with people where he knows he's going to be having an encounter with someone. And he had to go through Samaria because he had to meet with this woman. Yeah. Do you yeah. want to give us a like a very succinct, encapsulated understanding of the history of between Jew and Gentile or Jew and Samaritan and yeah. why this was such a big deal? Sure. So Samaritan is worse than Gentile in the minds of the Jews, and the history of that goes back to when the the Jewish people were carried off into exile. There were a handful who stayed in that region. But then they were intermixed with people from other nations. That was the empire's way of maintaining peace, was keep all the people who share culture and, and history separated and mix them with others. And so the Samaritans were sort of, they, they were somewhat Jewish, uh, but then they also had a lot of other um, histories and nations and, and gods and uh, theology that was a part of their history, so they became kind of thought of as like half breeds. Yeah. They 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 never quite got it right. They had they had some things, but they were missing others, and so uh, the Jews viewed them as being kind of worse than Gentiles. And uh, so, 
this interaction that Jesus has obviously is shocking to the woman uh, because Jews and Gentile or Jews and Samaritans they don't mix. Right. And I think I'm sorry. I think I I don't know if I read it in here where I read it that people Jews would specifically they, if they were walking they would. Yeah, I've heard did that, not want to go through it. I've heard that as well. It's a pretty long way out of their way, and so I'm sure that wasn't everybody. That that what Jesus did wasn't outlandish, but uh, it's it's certainly uh, not normal either, as far as making sure that yeah that, that most Jews would be very conscious of the separation, whether it's avoiding the territory or avoiding the conversation, one way or the other, they're going to maintain that that separation. In this, in the context of the passage that you just read, we really only have the two characters of Jesus and the woman. But the disciples were sent on a little bit of a errand by Jesus just before this. They were out getting food mm-hmm. at a nearby town, maybe Sychar. And I, I have to believe that this, this little jaunt that Jesus is on into Samaria is as much for the disciples as it is for this woman too, because when he gets to the point where he's about to ascend into heaven, he's giving the disciples their marching orders, and that is to go to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And he needed to get it into their heads that all nations means all nations. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Jesus models for them in a number of places, ministry to Gentiles, or in this case to a Samaritan. And, and obviously, he continually breaks down the, the man-made barriers between nations and, and peoples. And uh, it's really kind of a beautiful thing uh, to what, what Jesus does is he builds unity. Um, yeah, that's, this is Jesus on the, on the way to where he's going to take them later on. Right. It was about the sixth hour. When I, when I heard you read that, my mind went to almost, it almost sounds like something from the passion you know where john is very good at at giving us very minute details about what's happening and i think him telling us at i think it's in verse six that it was the sixth hour mm-hmm. he's telling us the middle of the day mm-hmm. you know I've, I, i'm not sure are they using roman time or jewish time but sixth hour could have meant noon high noon right yeah. which means it's it's in the heat of the day this woman should not really have been at the well at this time usually the women would go in the early morning when it was still cool to gather their water for the day she's there at noon for a specific reason yeah 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 the the what people tend to read into that is that she's there because she doesn't want to run into anybody she is already an outcast because she's a samaritan she's even marginalized among the samaritans so she's going to get her water when nobody else is going to be there to make her feel even more alone what an incredible statement that Jesus is making here by speaking to this woman, because he's not only breaking the cultural taboo of talking to a woman, he's talking to a Samaritan woman, and he's talking to a Samaritan woman with a reputation. Mm-hmm. So he's he's clearly forging ahead with a message that really is for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that it, it goes a little bit what we talked about yesterday, where you have before you can tell somebody to go love their neighbor. They need to first know that they're loved. And so she's experiencing love just in the fact that he's willing to have this conversation. And even when she tries to push him away, he continues to engage in the relationship. And so there's a, there's a 
beautiful act of love for somebody who's marginalized and has been taught by society. She's unlovable. I see some similarities here in this encounter with what happened in the previous chapter in John 3 with Jesus and Nicodemus. Because in, in Jesus's conversation with Nicodemus, he's talking about being born again, being born of water and the Spirit. And he's using some figurative language that at first Nicodemus is struggling with. You know, are you going to ask me again to be born again of my mother? You know, And here he's, he's doing the same thing with this woman by saying, the water that I will give you will spring up and well up in, into eternal life. She's having a, a hard time separating the literal to the figurative in yeah. what Jesus is saying. He's yeah. got something much greater in store for her, just like he had something much greater in store for Nicodemus. Yeah. Yeah. That in both cases, pointing to the Holy Spirit, right? right? The gift that God is going to give that keeps on giving. And the other thing I like about noticing the contrast, Nicodemus, to the, this woman at the well is, who is my neighbor, was the question we were on yesterday. Right. And, and with the parable, and the answer is, it is the poor and the marginalized, but it's not just the poor and the marginalized. Nicodemus was an insider, and a, he was a man of good reputation. And so in our society, sometimes there's kind of a, a, a you know, there's discrimination against those who are underprivileged. And then sometimes there's a discrimination for those who are underprivileged, and Jesus just manages to dodge all of that. He loves them all, and that's what his church is called to, too. Yeah, I mean, I th- two things that I think he's pointing out for us about this woman. One is that God knows her through and through. I mean, we didn't read far along enough into this text in John 4 where he starts to reveal to her what her past all is. Her makes shame, it yeah. yeah, her shame. It makes it he's making it very clear to her that God knows all about her. But then in the very next step, he's also making it very clear to her that God desires very much to have a relationship with her, yeah. that she is not beyond the, his grasp, not beyond his reach. Yeah. What a great message for us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Love your neighbor first and foremost by sharing the love of God with them. Yeah, yeah and he does that. Angela, I'm curious, what are you, what are you seeing? I, well... I don't want to say I identify with the woman at the well because I don't have <laughs> I don't have her past, but I I think I do identify just with um, her not getting it right away, mm-hmm. who she's talking to and what he's talking about, and um, and I just love how Jesus draws her in, and that's that is what he does with us too, with his word at least when I I read. I read a passage and it, it something piques my curiosity and so I want to know more and I seek out and I ask a question and, and so she, you know, as as taken aback as she is by his initial interaction, she still engages and she's willing to work with him and and uh, it ends up being to her benefit that, you know, she doesn't even realize in the beginning. But um, I just love... I love that Jesus loves us that way yeah. enough to pursue the conversation and and um, yeah. pique our interest. It takes me back to where this whole series started with the parable of the sower and the seed that lands on hard soil because we don't understand. And and yet the farmer's out there casting more seed and casting more seed. And 
every time we spiral through the scriptures again, we understand a little more and benefit a little bit more. And Jesus just keeps this conversation going. It's interesting that you brought up the parable of the sower because when I was reading through the the entire encounter from John 4, when Jesus says to her, it's true that you um, don't have a husband. As a matter of fact, you have had five. Mm-hmm. And I... I, my mind went to the parable of the sower because in that moment she's she might be this path hard packed rock soil that Jesus is just taking a pickaxe to, mm-hmm. and he's he's turning up the soil, he's breaking up the hard mm-hmm. ground, and making room for the seed of faith to make its way in. Mm-hmm. And then how does this encounter end? She's off running off back to her hometown to tell everybody about yeah. this man who knows everything about her and yet still wants to have a relationship with her. It's, it's yeah. mind-boggling. Yeah, yeah, and and it's powerful and it's a important thing for us to to take to heart too. Yeah, uh, that... yeah. when I get into the repent, rejoice, repent request, for me a big repent here is our my tendency, I think many Christians' tendency to want to put people in categories of worthiness. Like who's who's worthy to receive the gospel, and we might even have a pecking order of oh, this, then this, then then these folks last. And Jesus just blows all of that mm-hmm. out of the water and says, "There's first of all, there's there is no order. Everybody uh, is um, under that command of Jesus to teach all nations." Mm-hmm. God doesn't play favorites. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to put that right out there, that uh, something that I think Christianity, Christendom, needs to repent of is that sometimes we've placed people in categories of worthiness. Yeah. It's it, it, not the first time that somebody's picked up on that, and there's a, uh, a real striking contrast between Jesus who spends time with tax collectors and prostitutes and they receive his ministry and the church tends to want to be anywhere except where those folks are. Right. So, uh, that can be a, a real convicting look in the mirror for us. Yeah. And then to rejoice in a Lord who condescends to come to such as us and to have these conversations and to offer us living water that wells up to eternal life is something that's a, gift we don't deserve and certainly something to praise him for right i would say that a a request would be that i would grow to know him more and have a heart more like his so that i am less inclined just by nature to have that pecking order Mm -hmm. you know have that um who's worthy and who's not worthy Mm um yeah yeah, I, I don't know that we, or at least I don't. I don't think I ever processed it in those words. But there's still just kind of a, uh, there's those invisible barriers that exist in our society every bit as much as they did then, and and uh, whatever those barriers are, yeah, like God grant me the heart of Jesus to just see somebody you love. Yeah, give me the heart of Jesus. I love that. That leaves us with request, rejoint. Re- Rejoice, repent, request. I guess asking for that heart of Jesus would be our request. And uh, my my eyes just went to one last thing here, 
And that is at the end of verse 7, he asks this woman, give me a drink. And again, my mind went to the cross because it seems like there's two times in the Gospels when Jesus asks for something to drink here and on the cross when he mm-hmm. says, I thirst. And um, it, it, it takes us to that place in our mind where we need to remember what Jesus did for this woman, mm-hmm. what he was going to do uh, in, in a short amount of time. Yeah. in his earthly ministry where he would um, yeah that will be the second himself time. the living water yeah that'll be the second time that he thirsts for her salvation exactly yeah yeah <laughs> probably a long way to go to make a point but uh, I like it all right it gets me thinking well everybody uh, our, our time has again come to an end uh, we are thankful that you are enjoying these podcasts and that you check in with us every day and we invite you to come back again tomorrow as we continue our journey in the stories that Jesus told. Goodbye, everybody.